Hey, yo, you ready? Let's do it. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the End of the Grain podcast. We welcome on a special guest. He is a member of the Alabama men's golf team, a four-time Rolex Junior All-American, and a member of the 2021 SEC All-Freshman team. We have Mr. Cannon Claycomb on today. Cannon, how are we doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Excited to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely, dude. So first and foremost, you know, as a fellow Alabama fan, how are we how are we doing after the national championship? Have we recovered? Or what's what's the mental state like after uh after that game a few months ago? Yeah, I think we're back. Uh luckily basketball season wasn't too long after that and uh people kind of got their minds off football for a little bit, so that was good. Um but I always tell people that like are sad or whatever, disappointed after the football like national championships, like We've played in, what, the last three national championships? So, yeah. I mean, like, there's teams out there, like Michigan or whatever, that made the playoffs for the first time in how many years? Like, Auburn, who had to play in the Birmingham Bowl um, and went, what, like, seven and five, seven and six? So, like, yeah. at least we're not them because yeah, we could be. That is very true. At least we're not that, that Cal College about, you know, three hours yeah. southeast of Tuscaloosa. I mean – Dude, there's so much weird stuff going on at Auburn right now with their head coach. Have you been reading at all about that recently? I, I've been trying to keep up a little bit on Twitter. I saw, like, maybe an intern or, like, a worker that was kind of young and a little attractive, maybe had something to do with it. But, yeah, bring it on, dude. I, I hope their entire football team crumbles and their athletic department crumbles. So, like, it's whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, nothing would make my day more than seeing, you know, Auburn football be put under sanctions like Auburn basketball. It, it honestly drives me nuts that they're good at basketball this year because, like, their coach is just just a cheater. Like, I mean, let's just be honest. You know, it's 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 maddening. Yeah, I'm not a huge Bruce Pearl fan um, at all. I'm a big basketball fan, um, and I agree, like, Auburn basketball is the worst. What's their center's name? Um, Big white dude. Is I can't remember his last name. Kessler? Walker? Something Kessler. like that, I think. Yeah, Kessler. Kessler, I think is his name. He's he's legit. And then they have that really good guard or forward um, who can shoot the lights out of it. So, yeah, they're really good. Um, I'm glad we don't have to play them again because they beat us twice pretty, pretty handily. But, yeah, they're a solid basketball team for sure. Yeah. Got to give respect. I can't, I can't stand them when they're good because honestly, this year's Alabama basketball team has been like just so bipolar and like, like we've beaten, you know, we've beaten Baylor, beaten, you know, um, Gonzaga, and then we also beat who, who was the third team in the Final Four that we beat? Houston. Houston. Yeah, I mean, we beat three out of the four last past year Final, you know, four teams, and then we go and we lose to you know Davidson, and um, obviously have lost a few other kind of close games here and there. I know Mississippi State's on right now. I've been kind of back and forth checking the score. So, 
Yeah, Nate Oates actually just got ejected from the game like two minutes ago. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's that's, uh, that's not good. Yeah, we were pulling, we were watching the game. Um, I think it was yeah, it was the Arkansas game this past weekend, and so I go to Furman and um, Noah Gurley transferred from Furman, and I think he hit like he hit two two shots to the end of regulation that I think sealed the deal. It wasn't like a buzzer beat or anything like that, but we're pretty pumped to see him kind of succeed. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love basketball season. I'm I'm glad it's here. And like March is like my favorite time of year. So I can't wait for these next couple months. Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, I know you grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky. You know, were you a big Kentucky basketball fan growing up? Like what, where did your team allegiances lie, you know, as a youngster? Yeah, huge Kentucky fan. Uh, still am like a very big Kentucky fan. Um, basketball is just like a big part of my life growing up in Bowling Green. We had like Western Kentucky yeah, uh, University. And I mean, like it was always kind of a basketball school. It's like, it, I think it's top 10 most winningest college basketball programs in the country uh, all time. That might be wrong. I'd have to be fact checked on that. But like basketball is a big deal there. So like I was, our family was season ticket holders there for 15 years. I used to go to every game. Um, but obviously like we didn't make March Madness all the time. So Kentucky was like the other team that we rooted for. Um, and it just got stronger over time. They were obviously better. So it was easy to like watch them on TV and stuff and cheer for them during March. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge Kentucky fan. Still am. Uh, Watched the game last night. They got beat by Tennessee. That was tough to watch, but I still think they're a very good team. And uh, Oscar Tashibwe is, like, my favorite player, like, ever, maybe. Yeah, he's a beast. He's a beast. I can still remember watching John Wall, like, as a youngster and, like, having Mm – I remember just, like, watching John Wall. And, I mean, he was was probably the most, like, athletic, best basketball player, like, I've ever seen – at the college level. Like I can remember buying his shoes like a week after watching him. Like he was a beast. Yeah. That team was unreal too. Uh, Boogie cousins, I think was on that team. Uh, DeMarcus <laughs> cousins. Yeah. That was a sick team to watch. I remember they went to Mississippi state one year and um, cause cousins phone number got leaked like the night before the game while they're in the hotel and a bunch of Mississippi state fans were like calling them all night and he dunked one on their center right like in front of their student section and like signaled the like student section to call them and i was like dude that's so sick like i'll never forget that it was awesome <laughs> that's so sweet yeah boogie boogie's the man so i was curious so you mentioned you know basketball being obviously a big part of your life growing up so like how did you end up getting into the game of golf and um you know what what was that process like you know growing up and I was curious if you played any other sports as well yeah, uh, like, my, I mean, my full family were golfers. Um, like, my grandparents, grandpa on my dad's side was a big golfer. Mom and dad were good at golf. It was just kind of something we did, like, during the summer. Um, but, I mean, I think I swung my first club when I was, like, three, probably, and then just, like, messed around for a long time. Uh, got kind of serious with it around, like, 12. Um, I played on the high school team that I went to high school with in Kentucky, I started my fourth grade year on their golf team, high school golf team. Um, back then, Kentucky didn't have any rules against like uh, elementary school or middle school kids playing. So I kind of got lucky in that perspective. It's changed a little bit over the years, but I got into it pretty early. Um, 
but never really lost like a love for the game. I played baseball growing up until I was seventh grade. And then I played basketball until my senior year of high school. Like I played four years of high school basketball. So um, I played other sports, never really played football. I played a little bit in elementary school, quit during middle school. Um, but yeah, baseball, basketball and golf are like my thing. Um, and then basketball kind of more than baseball with playing four years in high school. And then I played college or uh, high school tennis too for a year just because I got bored and kind of wanted to play. So I played a lot of different sports, but golf definitely my favorite, or at least the one that I'm, I'm the best at. <laughs> okay. I got you. That's awesome. Yeah. So who's your, who's your baseball team? Are you a Braves fan being in kind of the, the, the South or who, who was your team growing up for baseball? Yeah. So I like the Reds um, growing up in Kentucky. I was a Reds fan. Um, but being here in the South, like my roommate, one of my best friends, Tyler Lipscomb is from Atlanta. So I kind of hopped on the Braves bandwagon, like midway through the year, he was kind of hinting at like them being really good. So I was like, I might as well hop on it. And obviously like everyone here in Tuscaloosa are big Braves fans. Cause it's so close to Atlanta. So, um, it kind of worked out nice. I got to celebrate their world series victory and kind of claim it, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I honestly like don't keep up with them. I'll be that much. They play so many games. It's hard, but um, big Alabama baseball fan. We've the golf team here has become really good friends with the baseball team. Uh, a bunch of great guys. Like I, we're into baseball and they're into golf, so it's like a good mix. So I'm really excited to go watch them play this year. I'm excited for that. It starts like Friday, I think, is their first game of the season. So okay, that's yeah, that's uh, college, college baseball is always fun to watch. You know, especially. I feel like it's one of the most like underrated college sports as well, like to watch on television. Um, so, you know, you mentioned like going to growing up in Bowling Green. So now correct me if I'm wrong, but did you go to high school partly down in Orlando? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, did you, did you like split time between um, those two places growing up or how did, how did that work out? Yeah. So I lived full time in Kentucky until freshman year of high school. Oh, excuse me. And then um, after that, moved down to Florida, um, to Orlando area, sophomore year. Um, so that was kind of a big switch. And then moved down for golf, and my dad has a business down there, and it just kind of worked out nicely. Uh, so I finished out my high school career in uh, Orlando. Family still lives there. We still have a house in Kentucky. So I kind of have it very nice where like during the summers, I'll usually go back to Kentucky, see all my old friends. Um, most of my friends still go to school at Western or UK. So I'll go up there and visit them. But like golf during the winter down in Florida was great. Um, got to go to like a smaller Christian school down there for high school after I moved, which made it easier for like golf travel and uh, like playing different sports. I mean, definitely helped. Um, so yeah, it was like kind of best of both worlds. I was very lucky in high school to be able to do the things that I did. Yeah, definitely. I feel like Kentucky golf is so underrated. Like there are so many good golf courses up in, up in Kentucky. And, you know, I mean, I, I know my grandpa's from Louisville, so they grew up playing big spring country club up there, mm -hmm. but where did you, where did you play at in, um, in Bowling Green? And then where did you usually play down in Orlando? So in Bowling Green, I play at a place called uh, Old Stone, the club at Old Stone. Um, pretty fairly new course. It's uh, built in 2006. We were one of the first members that joined. So we've been we've been there since it started. Um, great golf course, long, hosted the Southern Am a couple of years ago, uh, hosting the U.S. Junior Girls this summer. 
And then down in Orlando, we're members at Lake Nona Country Club, um, which is also a very nice place. So I've, I've been able to practice and play at two awesome courses. Um, yeah, it's been it's been awesome, man. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, I've heard lots of great things about both places. Um, you know, my I think I've I think I've gotten the chance to play the club at Oldstone once back in the day. It was incredible experience. But, you know, playing down at Lake Nona, I imagine you you had the opportunity to see a bunch of like tour pros out there. Like who are some guys that you saw, you know, growing up out out there? And um, did you ever get to talk to any of them or learn learn anything um, from any of them? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like one of our family good friends is uh, Annika Sorenstam. Her and her family have been great. Like my mom's best friends with her. So being around like the best player to ever play the game on the female side was really cool. Um, got to learn a lot from her. And then the Poulters, um, Ian Poulter and Luke Poulter, his son, have been awesome. I'm really close with Luke. Um, he's one of my good friends and my little brother's probably best friend. So I uh, got to see Luke kind of grow and progress. Um, he's a couple of years younger than me. But, you know, being around Luke, I got to see Ian and kind of play with him and learn like that whole world. Um, and then like just kind of the smaller pros that like you probably would never know who they are. Just trying to get out on like Latin um, or Canadian. And like yeah. I thought they were just really good players and I got to play with them every day. And some of them didn't make it and quit and got jobs and some of them are still trying. But. Yeah, I mean, like, that was probably the biggest thing was, like, those guys um, that were trying to make it rather than the ones that were already there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's a great experience being around, like, a bunch of really good players. And what were some of the things that, like, specifically you learned from them or, like, took from those players that, like, you yourself, like, use in your, your game today? Um, Short game, like, putting and chipping. Some of them, like, I mean, most of the guys that are out there don't hit it that good, like – they just kind of scrap it around and shoot 69 and it's like the most quiet three under you've ever seen. Um, and I've like, I've seen that a lot in college golf too. It's like you, you match up with a guy first tee, he hits his first tee shot and you're like, all right, this dude's going to shoot 75. And then like throughout the day, you're just kind of like, Oh, he's got to be around par, like one over maybe. And then sign the scorecard and he shot 67. You're like, how, like, how did that happen? And it's just like, they chip, they, if they miss the green, they get it up and down for par and, if they hit it within 15 feet, it, they probably make it. And it's just very quiet and they don't look flashy and they just shoot good scores and they're really good. So I think that was kind of the biggest thing was like, it doesn't have to look good for the, the end result to be good. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, I think you see so many guys out there on tour, like, for example, like the guy that won last week, like Scotty Scheffler, like his golf swing isn't the prettiest thing in the world. You know, you look at guys like Kevin Kistner, Zach Johnson, those guys. And I mean, their their games aren't necessarily like the they're not striking the ball lights out. They're just like getting up and down from, you know, Narnia and doing, you know, doing really well, putting and chipping like crazy. And they're still competing on the world stage. So, I mean, that's that's yeah. really, really good stuff. Well, and like the one one thing I always say is like people rag on like Rory and Adam Scott for being terrible putters. Right. Yeah. And like if I like if I asked you like how how do you think Rory puts it? What like what would you say? Like ranking wise on the PGA tour? I mean, I would probably say I would probably say he's probably in the sixty to seventieth range, probably strokes gained, but I, I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, so like 
I'm almost positive that both of them were top 25 in putting last year and like have been for like multiple years. I would have to look that up, but like we talk about it a lot. I've looked at a lot of stats, maybe not strokes gain, but like putts or whatever. Like they're very highly ranked on the PGA tour and putting. And like, it's because they just like, don't, they don't three putt. Right. Or like, they don't like, they miss some small ones, but like, they have 27 – if they have a bad putting day, it's 28 putts, and they hit 15 greens. So it's like – I think that's the biggest thing is, like, people people think you have to hit it close all the time and drive it great off the tee. And it's like, no, you just have to get it up around. And, like, whether people think you're good at putting or not, like, if you're having 25, 26, 27 putts around, like, doesn't matter what people think. You're going to be – you're going to be top 10 in the world. Exactly. Yeah, it was interesting you mentioned Rory um, – Brad, Brad Faxon came and spoke to us the other day and we got to pick his brain. He's like Rory's putting coach. He got to pick his brain a little bit about, you know, like Rory's routine and how he's like transformed himself as a putter. And he was telling us that like one of the things that he's worked on is like becoming more athletic and reactive, like on the putting, you know, on the greens. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that's something that some guys struggle with is like they get too involved with their stroke and like to, trying to become too technically perfect rather just rather than just like okay like i gotta pick my line i gotta match the speed with the line and just be athletic with it i think that's that's some of the reason why you see guys like struggle like with their putting is they're just so focused on like okay i gotta have like a perfect stroke and everything else has to be perfect you know and then they they just they don't end up putting as well because they're not loose you know no for sure i agree i think it's crazy and like I think getting athletic, more athletic is a very, very good, good way to start. Yeah, definitely. So kind of taking it back here, you know, obviously you, you said you were, you grew up a little bit in Bowling Green and spent time in Florida. How did you end up choosing Alabama? Like what, what stood out to you about Alabama and um, you know, how did you end up being in T-Town? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So I was, you know, I kind of got to go visit a lot of places in high school. Um, I probably took like, 13 or 14 visits uh back then like you could take an unofficial whenever you wanted uh those rules have kind of changed since now I think but I took a lot of visits I actually came to Tuscaloosa twice maybe three times before I committed um so I came here a good amount um got to see everything I thought like a lot of people talk about facilities and what whatnot like it's awesome to have a great facility but at the end of the day like I was just looking for an iron range a chipping green a putting green and like a driving range and Alabama had that and they had the weather for it um but what really sold me was just the athletic department as a whole um between the workout facilities and all the other teams on campus and you know like the desire to win from every athletic facet here at the university I was really drawn to that and um watching like JT and Corey Whitsitt and those guys like coming up winning back-to-back national championships bunch of SEC championships um I trusted coach Sewell and what he was saying um and believed in the process and I ended up here and I've loved it it's been awesome I've gotten to play every event except one um through COVID it's been you know perfectly fine and yeah, I've, I've loved it here. It's been, it's been awesome. And I have two more years, so I'm excited about it. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up going to Alabama golf camp, so it was cool to like spend time, you know, around those guys. Do you, do you ever like talk to any of the alumni, like you mentioned, like JT and Corey and like, I know Trey Mullinax, like 
do y'all ever, um, you know, get to be around those guys? And what have y'all learned from the, from them if you have? Yeah. I mean, like, so JT, obviously being from Kentucky, um, you know, I get to text with him sometimes, um, kind of just about random stuff, not really about golf. Um, but like Trey Molinax is one of my favorite people on earth. Like he, my freshman year, our second event right before COVID, he was our assistant coach for the week. Um, like he was in, he was at the Pate, which is our facility two days ago, hitting balls with, uh, some of the guys like myself and, just like he's had a crazy story, just how he got to the tour and then he got injured. He got hit by a pro-ams drive and like got a concussion and basically lost his card, got it back from Corn Ferry and now he's back out there. But he just has some really cool stories to tell. And I love listening to him and he's been nothing but nice to me. And he's he's I think he's one of the greatest people on earth. And then like Corey, what's it too? Like I love talking to Corey. He was best ranked amateur in the world um for a long time and you know he was on a national championship team here maybe he might have been on both of them um I don't know but he was on at least one and just hearing their stories and then like our assistant coach is Hunter Hamrick now who uh who played here at Bama a couple years ago um had corn fairy status for three years uh was tied for 14th in the U.S. Open at um the Olympic Club back in whatever that was 2014 I think maybe yeah was so just like stuff like that, I'm just I'm I'm able to be around these guys who have kind of done it and worn the A on their chest, and it's been been awesome. And I get to talk to them about it, and any questions I have, they're always quick to answer. And yeah, they're they're awesome, man. That's sweet. Yeah, I uh, I know Hunter Hunter's uh, Hunter's a really good guy. He's um he was definitely a grinder in college. You know, I remember watching him um, growing up, going out to like the Carpet Classic and stuff like that so it's really cool to have a you know former player right there that you can just talk to and you know get advice from um so you know you mentioned the athletic department how like supportive they are as a whole tell tell the folks back home i i've, I've looked a little bit at it but i've seen y'all are getting a new facility here that's going to be built tell us about like what you know about that so far it, it looks pretty sweet it looks like a frat house it looks like the sae house yeah so yeah it's a big place um I honestly don't know much about it. It's kind of still being like a little under wraps, but it's going to be a nine hole private course. And then um, like a big facility with like chipping greens, driving range, putting greens. Um, and then like our facility now is probably like our clubhouse is probably like four or 5,000 square feet. I want to say like, these are very, very rough estimates. It's not a very big clubhouse. Yeah. The new one I think is supposed to be like 12 or 14,000. It's three stories. So, I mean, just a big, like, the, the athletic department's investing a lot of money, and we're building a new basketball stadium. Gymnastics goes with that. Um, that's been in the works for a long time. It needed to happen. Um, we've done, like, probably $100 million of renovations in Bryant-Denny Stadium over the past couple of years. So, like, the I, the athletic department's not afraid to spend money, and it's it's a good thing because the athletic department brings in a lot of money, and it brings in a lot of money for Tuscaloosa and the city and the people that live here. So, I think it's a great thing and I think it's just going to help the golf team become more recognized on campus. Um, people are going to want to like follow the golf team like they follow the basketball team, the football team. And it's going to be a great facility for the city of Tuscaloosa to have uh, in their back pocket and uh, the university to have in their back pocket as well. So I, it's very exciting. I think it's going to be awesome. And I wish I was going to be here longer so I could use more of it. But <laughs> I'm excited for the other guys down the road that choose to come to Alabama that do get to use it. And then they'll have to see me when I come back and visit. 
Exactly. It's going to be a great recruiting tool. And like you said, it's going to be great for the whole city of Tuscaloosa. So I have to ask, what are your three favorite restaurants in Tuscaloosa at this time? Because I, I know I got I got a I got one in the back of my mind. I'm curious if we're on the same train of thought here. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do breakfast, lunch and dinner because okay. that'll be so breakfast is Ramajamas for sure. Okay. Uh, right next to the right next to the stadium. Yeah. Right next to Brian Denny. Yeah, got right under the lights. It's great food, great breakfast. Um, lunch is probably uh, Urban Cookhouse, which is kind of a chain, but it, I love it here in Tuscaloosa. It's great, and it's close to the golf facility. Um, and then dinner is probably Chuck's Fish House. Oh, so Chuck's is Chuck's is money. So good. yeah, Chuck's is great. They have a sushi night on Tuesday that a bunch of us like to go to, um, and then obviously just great food all around. So. That's my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, Ramajamas is – I agree totally with Ramajamas and uh, Chuck's Fish House. I got to try that other place you were telling me about. I'm a big, like, Taco Casa guy. Have you ever been to yeah. Taco Casa? Yeah, a lot of people like Taco Casa. I'm not a huge Mexican food guy. Yeah. So Taco Casa isn't great for me, especially for, like, lunch when we're, like, about to practice or something. But, like, I will say a, a couple of my teammates love Taco Casa, go there religiously. So, like, I've, I've been there, had their food. It is very good. Just not something I eat all the time. Yeah, Taco Casa is the uh, – it's not the best pre-practice or pre-round meal. It gives you a little heartburn. You got to have a little bit of – you know, you got to have a little beer layer on you to, like, you know, have it <laughs> saturate, honestly. Um, but it's, it's pretty good stuff. So, so what – you know – you've obviously been there for two and a half years, you know, what, what have you felt like you've learned and improved since coming to Alabama? Like since stepping foot on campus, you know, talking, being around coach Sewell, you know, obviously coach Howell and, you know, now coach Hamrick, like what, what are some things you've had to improve and learn so far? Yeah. I think a lot of it is like a lot of, when you're in college golf, like especially at this level, most of the guys hit it about the same. Like there's not many people that I see that hit it bad um or putt it bad or chip it bad really so I think like I've really had to grow in the fact that junior golf I was very successful at just firing at everything and if I missed I made a bogey but I made five or six birdies to combat that whereas like in college golf like a normal round you're probably making three or four birdies maybe five and then if you shoot like 67 or 66 like you're having six or seven but you're making one or two bogeys as opposed to like three or four around. And I think a lot of that is just decision-making. Um, I've had to get a lot better at that. Looking back at rounds after is a big thing that we do. Um, doing stats, that whole package. Um, and realizing like being honest with yourself is honestly the biggest thing. Because if it was a, a day where I had played bad, I would just say like, oh, it was hard. Or like, yeah, I just didn't play good. And now it's like, well, I hit 11 greens and had 29 putts. So like either I didn't chip it good enough or I didn't putt it good enough or I didn't hit it good enough. And I need to go to the range or the chipping green or the putting green after the round and fix it before I play tomorrow. Um, stuff like that, where it's just like, you're having to grow up a little bit, be an adult um, and like take responsibility for your own game. And uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing that that's been happening for me, at least in college golf. Yeah, it really is a, you know, a big transition, like you were saying, going from like firing at pins. And I know I did the same thing growing up where it was just like, all right, let's just go fire at every flag and, you know, not pay attention to any hole locations or anything like that. Um, and then just like having that initial reaction after looking at, you know, entering the birdie fire stats, you know, 
looking mm-hmm. at all that stuff and being like, dang, I, I, I need to improve on these areas. Um, so that, that's really interesting to hear your process of like breaking it down after each round. Do you do your stats like immediately after the round or do you try and like log stats like during the round? I'm curious because we have a divide on our team right now of guys that, you know, wait, wait till after versus guys that do it during. Yeah, so I I do it after the round, um, but I also, like, I have a very good memory when it comes to, like, golf shots. Like, we played today. You could ask me what happened on the seventh hole. I could tell you every yardage I had, how close I hit it, what like, all that stuff. So I get, like, very immersed in the round when it's happening, and then after I'm able to recall pretty vividly what happened, we, we have the same deal where it's like some guys do it during the round, some do it after the round. It's kind of a personal choice. I just tried not to go to sleep that night without doing my stats because then it starts to get a little iffy. But I usually do it like when I'm eating lunch or eating dinner after the round, I'll sit down and it takes me five minutes. So like it's quick and easy. Yeah, I, I like that. That's what I usually do. It, it's it kind of I'm I'm kind of the same way where I remember a lot of my shots. So I got to test you out a little bit. So did y'all play Old Colony today? We did. Yeah. Okay. What did you go for it on number eleven? Uh, number eleven. Wait, is they, par four? Ten. Ten is par five. Ten's a par five. Okay, is maybe two then? Two's the one. Which one's the uphill par? Yeah, four? that's two. Drivable. Yeah. Okay. What yeah, so I hit it in the front bunker. It was 304 to the front edge, hit it in the bunker. Uh, pin was, like, back right, hit a bunker shot to, like, 13 feet. Hit my putt, missed it on the high side by, like, two inches, went, like, four feet past, and then made the comeback for the bar. There you go. There you go. Yeah. That, that's a great hole. I love I love that hole because it's just such, like, a risk-reward hole. You can, you can you know, rip driver up there and, you know, make eagle and – um, that's that's a that's a great hole on that golf course. It so, is a very cool. Hole. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. So do y'all? I'm assuming y'all play most of your qualifying rounds out at Old Colony, or do you guys travel to Birmingham at all um, to play any of your play any of your rounds? Yeah, so we actually play most of our qualifying rounds at Indian Hills here in Tuscaloosa. Um, the golf team became members there two years ago, um, and it's probably like the most well conditioned course and kind of normal course um, in Tuscaloosa. So. We play a lot of our qualifying there. We play at Old Colony sometimes. Our facilities out there, so we practice out there. But then we'll go to Birmingham, play like Birmingham Country Club, Shoal Creek sometimes, um, and like around. We'll just take like little trips to Panama or like Destin sometimes as well. And yeah, but if we go to Birmingham, it's either Shoal or Birmingham Country Club, and I love both of those places. Like they're both awesome places to play golf at. Yeah, those places are sweet. The West is the West is pretty hard. This is very hard. The West always kicks my butt because the greens are always so daggum fast. It's so hard. Like, as much as I like love playing there because it's nice, I hate playing there because it's like an auto seventy-five. Yeah, it just drives me insane. We've got two guys on our team that are members out there, and I've played there a few times. And I'm like, every time I just get humbled. I just get so brutally humbled whenever I play there. I'm like, all right, I need to work on you know X, Y, and Z now. So. Totally understand that. <laughs> so um, I'm curious, you know, I know I saw, you know, we were, we were talking um, earlier this week about, you know, y'all are leaving for a tournament um, tomorrow, you were saying. So what what is y'all's spring schedule look like? And, you know, tell us a little bit about that. And then 
what are your kind of goals? What are what are y'all's person? What are your personal goals and then y'all's team goals for the spring season? Yeah, so we leave for Panama City tomorrow. Um, come back and then we go to Cabo right after that. Um, and then we're going to the Linger Longer, which is Georgia Tech's event, and then um, the Augusta Haskins Award event. And then we have SECs and NCAA's. Um, but I think we're really good as a team this year. I think we we're young, but we have a lot of experience, like from myself and JP and Pondy, uh, Tyler, who's played a bunch of events. Um, and then we have some new guys who came in. We have a grad transfer, Charlie from Miami of Ohio. Um, and I think we're kind of like a very slept on SEC team. We're kind of right in the middle, like sixth or seventh in the SEC, which isn't awful. I mean, the SEC is a great golf conference um but i think like kind of the same thing as last year too we you know we almost won the stroke play portion of secs um kind of out of nowhere and you know i think we we just kind of have it in us we just have to do it so i'm excited to start again the fall was kind of weird stopping and starting and yeah i think we have kind of the schedule in front of us and we know kind of what's going on now so we i mean i haven't played this much golf in forever and I feel like I'm playing pretty good. Uh, three of us played the Jones Cup a week and a half ago, so we got a tournament under our belt before the first team event. And, yeah, I'm just excited to tee it up again, like, as a team. Yeah, no, that is exciting to have, you know, without without the COVID, you know, uncertainty to have, like, a full schedule, you know, in front of you guys. So what was kind of your experience, you know, playing, playing match play in the SECs? Like, I feel like that's just such a unique format um in college golf and something that's like so severely underrated like I mean I personally I think match play is is the like the best format in all of golf so I'm curious to what your past experiences have been you know playing in match play events no yeah I love match play personally I uh I think it's awesome I'm glad we do it um but I mean last year like in the SECs I got I drew Ryan Hall we drew South Carolina the first uh match first match it was like the eight teams that made match play we got south carolina i got ryan hall um who i knew from junior golf but i mean he's top 10 in the in the country and junior and college golfers like when i played him great golfer i was a little intimidated um picked up a dub against him i think three and two maybe we beat south carolina and then we played vanderbilt the next day and i got i don't remember who i got from vanderbilt but i got my butt handed to me we kind of as a team got our butt handed to us but like I, I thought it was good like you can't fake it around in match play I, I don't think I think you know with stroke play you can have a six or seven shot difference like disappear super fast which I'm I, I guess I'm a fan of from a golf perspective but I don't know I kind of like the head head to head match and match play when you're playing for an SEC championship or you're playing for a national championship I think that's that's kind of cool. Um, and we've played a lot of match play. I mean, we played SEC match play in the fall, which was a new event. That was actually our home event. We had it at Shoal Creek. Um, played a lot of SEC teams um, in match play that week. It was great experience. Um, and then we played the Stevens Cup, which was three days match or stroke play and then one day match play. And that was great, too. So we, we've gotten a lot of match play experience in the past six months and I got to play a lot of match play in junior golf and I think it's great and we're gonna have to play it so we probably need to learn to like it whether we want to or not 
Yeah, absolutely. I feel like for the fan too, like as if it, like just an armchair fan, like I feel like match play is just so much more intriguing, like down the stretch, you know, personally than like strength play because you have that back and forth. I feel like that's why like like we always, you know, gravitate towards the Ryder Cup is just because like it's that back and forth, it's the show of emotion, like it's just what we play like with our buddies every day. Like we're not playing stroke play, you know, straight up, you know, we're playing matches. Um, so that that's really interesting to hear about that. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And I, I love that the SEC championship and the NCAA championship are match play. So I, I really like that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of rises the cream of the crop and gives, gives the best product um, to the viewer. So I know, um, you know, I was looking at your Instagram and I know you recently started your, own clothing company so tell us a little bit about that and how like you got to that decision to start your own company and what was that process like i mean you know starting a podcast like it's a it's a big big step and a big process so talk to us a little bit about that yeah so it is um like with all the new nil stuff like i wanted to take advantage of it kind of from the get-go so i have been doing a lot of that um and this it was a company called boosted biz um they reached out to me and they offered to kind of create my own merch and I did it and they created my own website for me. Um, and then they, they order and print the merch. Um, and I get a, a percentage of the profits that we sell. Um, and it, it's super easy for me. Like they take care of all the orders. They take care of all the shipping, uh, printing, buying of like, big orders you know that you have to get before you can print so it's it's honestly been like so awesome for me because i get to put my name behind it and they kind of do all the hard heavy work um but they're awesome to work with and um the guys that run it are super nice people and um it's been pretty successful i mean like a lot more people have bought it than i thought would bought it or buy it yeah. which has been kind of shocking for me like i thought it was going to be just kind of whatever and it's been cool to see, like, we've, we've kind of sold a good amount, which has been awesome. And, you know, I've been trying to like reach out to people um, to thank them for buying it. But it's like, sometimes I see names that like, I don't recognize like at all. So that's been a cool part. Um, and like, it's cool. Like I wear, I wear it sometimes to class um, or just like around and it's cool to have your initials on a piece of clothing that you kind of own, you know? Yeah, that, that is really cool. I mean, I, I can attest to it, you know, as well with the, and I, the whole NIL thing has been like awesome. I feel like it's been great for like golfers and tennis players, baseball players, you know, the smaller, smaller sports, you know, because, you know, like I wouldn't have been able to start a golf podcast if it had not been for the whole NIL thing coming out. Cause it's just been like a great opportunity for, you know, the smaller sport athletes to, to go out and, you know, make a little profit, you know, while being, while still being a college athlete. So, that's uh that's awesome that you started that and excited to see where that goes for you. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. That's sweet. So, Cannon, so we always do this at the end of our podcast. We always end it off with a little um rapid fire question. So are you ready for a little rapid fire? For sure. Shoot it to me. All right. Favorite Alabama football player? Ooh. Bryce Young. Okay. Serious. that's actually serious like i actually that is my favorite okay i love it i love it he's uh he's the man have you ever gotten to meet him in person 
Yeah, so I've I've been like around dining hall. He's actually super nice. I one of my first class on campus actually, when I got here as a freshman, we both came in January, and I sat next to him in class, and it was an only athlete class, so there was like eighteen of us. So I actually got to like kind of talk to him and like get to know him a little bit, and that's kind of like the closest I've gotten to him. But I love that he runs the ball, and I love that he's kind of undersized. I think it's cool. Um, so yeah. Bryce, Bryce Young. Okay. Yeah. He's the, he's the man. So I, I, I love, I love that. Um, so favorite golf course you've ever played. Um, let's see. Uh, what's the one in Australia where they had the president's cup? Uh, Royal Melbourne. Royal Melbourne. Yeah. That's my favorite one. Okay. That's sweet. Where, when did you get the opportunity to play that? So I played the Australian masters of the amateurs there. Uh, my sophomore year of high school. And then I played the Junior President's Cup there my senior year of high school. Okay, that's sweet. Yeah, that that place, I swear, if they had the President's Cup every year there, I think the President's Cup would be, like, just the best viewing experience for the fans. Like, it would be so sick if they had it there every year. It's such a cool place. You can play it in the air. You can play it on the ground. You can play it so many different ways. I love that place. Yeah, that's sweet. All right, if you could have one – walk-up song to the first tee what would it be Ooh, um probably anything juice world anything <laughs> juice world anything juice world okay i love it all right and then favorite uh ramajama breakfast order um usually get like the all-star it's like two pancakes two over easy eggs grits bacon and one biscuit and gravy dang man that sounds so good Man, I, I could I could eat that right now. That sounds that sounds incredible. Um, I never finish it, but I do like that I get all of the stuff. Yeah, you got to get a little bit of everything. I always go over the exactly. way the Waysider um, sometimes for breakfast. Yeah. That place is yeah. pretty good. Waysider's great. Yeah, it's pretty good too. Um, but hey, well, Kana, thanks so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Um, it's a lot of fun getting to talk to you, and uh, good luck this season, brother. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. All right, thanks. Sneakerhead Golf is bringing some cool new looks to the bags of all types of golfers, and they want you to bring your everyday style to the course. With their new jersey-style driver covers, various apparel items, and countless number of awesome head covers, the options are endless. Please go check out their gear at sneakerheadgolf.com and on Instagram at sneakerheadgolfco. I spent so much time looking at their products, it was hard not to spend hundreds of dollars on their gear. Tell them that the end of the grain sent you, and please go check us out. Use code ITG20 for 20% off. Thank you all for listening to the Into the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed what you've been hearing from us, please subscribe and leave us five stars on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter. That is at G-R-A-I-N-I-N-T-O. That is Grain Into on Twitter. And on Instagram, that is at Into.TheGrain. Again, that is Into.TheGrain. For more content that we're providing, we put out new content all week long on social to promote some merch, like the new stickers that we have in stock. DM us if you're interested in one of those stickers. We also got hats that are coming in. We thank you all for listening and don't be shy to spread the word on the pod. When you're either at school, work, and especially on the golf course, we would love for you guys to spread the word, get it out there to as many people as we can. We'd really appreciate each and every one of you and we'd love to hear from y'all. Cheers.